Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. My best friend gave me the best advice. He said each day's a gift and not a given right. Leave no stone unturned. Leave your fears behind. And try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take is the longest ride. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others. And so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind today. And now for anyone venturing into new territory and pushing yourself out of your safety or your comfort zone, it can be really challenging. Now, whether that's speaking in public, standing up to your boss, uh, setting up your own business, uh, dealing with an addiction or an illness, even making a sales call or a million other things, pushing yourself out of your safety zone can bring on anxiety and sleepless nights. You know, for me, take uh, hosting this radio show, the very first one I did, you know, it was a challenge. The risks, though, if you don't push yourself, is that you achieve less. Many people actually push themselves less and less over time, and they crumble at the first sign of defeat. And the walls of their self-imposed prisons seem to actually move inwards. The reality, though, is that the door is always open. Those that do push themselves forward find that what once brought on anxiety actually now starts to feel quite natural. Now, fortunately, not many of us in business are overcoming obstacles that are truly life-threatening. I therefore want to introduce someone who knows a lot about overcoming fear and doing it anyway. As a consequence, he's experienced some of the most beautiful views on earth and also suffered the consequences of regularly putting himself into extreme situations. Listening to him can really help you put your fears into perspective. Now, my guest today is Nigel Vardy. Uh, Nigel is a mountaineer, a motivational speaker, an author, and a record-breaking climber who describes himself as six foot two, blue-eyed and scarred. Nigel has taken part in many climbs and adventures around the world. And in 1999, he suffered severe frostbite climbing on Mount McKinley in Alaska. Um, and it led to the amputation of his toes and fingers. In fact, the Discovery Channel made a film about his experience. Nigel is still healing, and he says that watching parts of his body die was just so difficult. 
those tiny things suddenly became so important, especially at the prospect of losing them, he said. His niece says Uncle Nigel has feet like a teddy bear. <laughs> so after three years recovering from his injuries, Nigel returned to high altitude and he climbed Island Peak in Nepal. Since then, he has written extensively about his experiences. Writing has helped his recovery and has proved a source of inspiration for many, many people. Now, he's also since completed a British first. He, he climbed the highest peaks on the world's seven largest islands. Now, just imagine that for a moment, all without his fingers and toes. Not only that, um, I asked him if he had any other scary experiences, and he said, well, my boat rolled and sank in a river in Borneo, and um, I had appendicitis on a Greenland ice cap, and, oh yes, my rope snapped while I was abseiling in the Himalayas. I was at 20,000 feet, fell 80 feet, and then had another 17 more abseils home. That was a really tough day. Now, that puts a, a tough day at the office in perspective. Now, Ligel lives in Derbyshire in England. He's an engineer by trade, a very inspirational speaker. And I'd just like to say, you know, welcome, Nigel Vardy. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chris. How are you? Uh, reasonably well, thank you. I think the colds are going round this neck of the world at the <laughs> moment, but uh, I'm doing very well, thank you. I think they are. It's... Uh, it's amazing here in the UK at the moment. We've got hot weather and all of the leaves are falling off the trees. It's, uh, uh, the, the climate's gone a bit crazy. Yeah, it's um, a good old-fashioned what we call an Indian summer. It is indeed. We cannot complain because it's lovely. Now, Nigel, I just want, the first question I want to ask you is really, you know, what, what got you interested in climbing? And, and also, you know, why do you do it when you're scared of heights? A very interesting question indeed. I got into climbing actually quite late in life. I was in my late teens, early 20s, and though I live on the edge of the Peak District um, in, in England, um, <clears throat> I never thought of taking it up. And it wasn't until I went to South America with something that used to be called Operation Rally and did some relief work out there. I spent three months living in Chile uh, that I got into it, and I just started climbing with some guys there, and it just took off and has never stopped. But when you talk about fear of heights, I can remember to this day my father hanging me off the edge of a cliff, um, not in quite a bizarre way, but just sort of showing me the precipice uh, up in Derbyshire when I was about five or six years old, and it scared the life out of me, and it's still there now. But I find that you have to face your fears at times in life. You have to push your boundaries, and you have to mentally and physically challenge yourself. And for me, that's what exactly what overcoming my fear of heights does. Yeah, and, and uh, I've heard you say that you... Uh, you're not scared of heights so much if there's snow on the, you know, on the edge. Is that... Yeah, if if the floor below you is white and the ground at the bottom is white, it's very very hard to work out how far down you can fall. So it actually feels easier. I know it sounds a little bizarre because if you're on ice and snow, you're obviously on a surface that's considerably more dangerous than being on, say, rock. But it just seems to work. And I've talked to a few people about this, and they have gone through the same experience as myself. Yeah, I can only say my wife's scared of heights, but uh, go on a, on a uh, snow lift or a ski lift with, when there's lots of thick snow around and she's not. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it feels like you're going to fall on a cotton wall, I suppose, but maybe that's not really the reality. <laughs> not always. Uh, so is, is there something about, um, you know, is there kind of like a solitude or something in the mountains that, uh, is, you know, what is it about being in the mountains that, you know, makes it so compelling for you to, you know, risk yourself to be there. I mean, there is a, a certain solitude, and in this modern world where we're surrounded by um, news media, social networking, mobile phones, and, and everything else that, that batters and assaults our senses, really, 
There is certainly for me a time to say I want to just get out of all that. I want to be away from it and I want to be in an environment that hopefully is pristine, clean, fresh. And fresh now obviously covers everybody else's footprints up. And it, and it just gives me somewhere I can go, reflect, think and get some peaceful time to myself before I come back to 21st century life. Yeah. So, so was your dad a climber then? No, I'm the only one in the family. Everybody else thinks I'm completely mad. Mm -hmm. and they they just can't understand where it's come from. There are people way in the past in my family that have done some things like this, but nobody close by. Ah, so, so what um what then, in your view, is courage? You know, what, why do you think, uh, and why do you think some people just talk, talk so much about doing things but never actually get around to them? Well, that's something I do talk a lot about, particularly when I work in education. Courage, how do you really define it? We, we all think we might be courageous if the time ever came and, and we needed to be. It's a particularly difficult one when the time does come and people sort of, do they have the old fight or flight? But I find courage for me is the fact of, I know something's difficult, I know it's hard, I know it's pretty scary, yet we still have to face it. We can always walk away from things, but that just never gets rid of the problem or never sorts out the problem. You may as well face it, stand straight on to whatever the issue may be, and deal with it. Now, you might take some flack, it might be difficult, you might feel terrible afterwards, but if it's the right thing you need to do, you need to do it, and you need to do it now. Mm. And, and do, you, do you think, um, do, do you get less... Uh less afraid you know when the more you climb i mean what no did I'm you still, come here? <laughs> if, if i still if i went tomorrow to the himalayas again and i, and I went up on amadablam a peak I've, I've made a really good attempt on before certain parts of that would still scare me senseless now some people will say well that's a great adrenaline rush i can assure you it is an adrenaline rush but i have never ever worn it completely off and i think if we did wouldn't that be a loss of part of our senses yeah, I guess so, yeah. It would be, because it's an important thing, isn't it? The thing is sometimes that fear actually makes you safer. You know, if you're driving, a, say, a, a motor racing car, if it's so easy to drive at 200 miles an hour, don't you get complacent? And secondly, if it's so easy, why isn't everybody doing it? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. So, so, so you know, it's not, I know it isn't for everyone, is it, climbing? Uh, no, no but, not at all. But what do you think, you know, people could achieve if they just got on with with it you know what what percentage of their potential do you think that most people actually realize quite a small amount i think i think a lot of people uh, personally in my experience feel very pigeonholed or very happy just to take orders commands sit do just do they want the easy life i don't know is it an easy life and then you'll get people that will challenge and people that will face decisions. And some people call them, of course, disruptive and other people call them courageous. And I've certainly experienced that in business. But I think people could do so, so, so much more if they were prepared to stand up. Yeah. And, and I've, it's perhaps not the greatest uh, parable really, but I, I've studied warfare for years. And it's a bit like, you know, somebody has to stick their head over the top of that trench. You can all cower in the bottom the rest of your life, but nothing will ever change. If you want change and you want something to happen, you have got to take responsibility for what you do and get on with it. Mm. And there's very few prepared to do that at times. Mm. There's, there's a, a nice quote that you shared with me 
uh, which uh, I, I, I've heard it before, and, and it's something that I've thought about before. Um, and, it, and that is, I don't want to die in an unused body. Absolutely. Um, you know, what, what, why is that significant for you? Well, obviously, I've suffered severe frostbite, and, mm. and believe me, I would love to have my fingers and toes back. I know that's not going to happen. But I think sometimes physically and sometimes mentally, we, we need to, I don't know, pick a few scars up now and again, and we need to understand that life has risks. And unless we're prepared to face some of them, we might live a very sedentary life, we might do nothing, and, and that might be what you want to do. But again, if you want to actually experience life and you want to go and experience adventures and such things, I think you have to face some risks, and they may cost you the odd scar now and again, but I think they're worth costing. I guess there's been some cultures in history where you know, scars have been um, a sign of kind of manhood. Um, Absolutely, but certainly in parts of Southeast Asia particularly, yes. It's all the same. So anyway, we're going to go um, into our first commercial break now, and after the commercial break, we'll find out more about you know, Nigel's experience um, when he, he, he got frostbite. So move over to Voice America. Always talking business? Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Do you really understand the global economy? The media paints a certain picture, but are you really getting the full story or only half of it? Listen to Strategic Wealth, Choosing Simplicity in Finance with your host, Stephen Ayer. This program will bring a full and objective look at the global economy and help you sort through the bias of traditional media so that you can completely understand today's economic theories and make the right decisions in your portfolio. Strategic Wealth airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leave no stone unturned. Leave your fears behind. And try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take is the longest ride. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hello, 
Hi, this is uh, Chris Cooper again, and I'm with uh, Nigel Vardy, and we're talking about courage and how to venture beyond your safety zone. And uh, boy, Nigel certainly knows about that. Um, I'm going to ask you now, Nigel, um, if you could maybe share with us, you know, what happened on that expedition to Mount McKinley in 1999? Well, basically, uh, three of us went to attempt to climb McKinley. And all, as usual, goes very well until it all goes very wrong. And on the summit attempt, the summit day itself, the weather closed in tremendously quickly and changed quite violently. And the wind speed picked up to about 60 miles an hour. The air temperature was calculated to drop to about minus 60 centigrade, we're told. And we ended up stuck in the middle of that. It's as simple as that. In only the clothes we stood in. And that's a pretty awful environment to be in. It takes a terrible effect on the human body. We spent a night trying to hide out of it in a crevasse, way, way, way above our top camp. And the temperature took its toll. And to cut a very long story short, um, we all suffered severe frostbite, the three of us, in varying states, really, depending on injury. One of the guys uh, broke his legs and suffered, obviously, much, uh, much more extreme frostbite than myself. I came out with all my fingers missing, uh, my toes missing, backs and my heels missing. And one of the guys was fairly lucky and uh, only came out with a few fingertips gone. So really big mix spread trying to survive and keep people focused and awake and alert and alive for anything up to 24 hours in absolutely bitter temperatures how, how did you keep your your morale going i mean did well you, i mean the first thing is that it, it's very difficult when you're in a storm when with high winds to actually talk so we decided to get some shelter to get out the wind and get out the cold. And then what we actually did was do the sort of silly joke routine, um, tell each other stories. I mean, anything to keep the mind active, particularly. Lots of people have asked me over the years, you know, did you ever think you was going to die? And I, never th and I never did, purely because I think, firstly, we had other things to consider, such as how we're going to stay alive. But also, we just kept telling each other jokes and stories and, and just anything. It was a bit terrible at times really but it just kept us focused and kept us going and how did you i mean how did you keep your mind off the pain because it must have been agonizing well there isn't that much pain uh, with frostbite the thing is that once the initial tingling if anybody's had really cold limbs before once that's gone it, the nerve endings are bitten off almost and so therefore you don't feel a great deal also your mind tends to slow down your brain gets cold so you actually react in you know, slower, you, you just don't think of things as quickly. Now, when they thaw you out, that's different. Yeah, correct. That is pain. I just I come on to that again in a moment, but I was just, just interested for people to maybe understand how, how did you actually get off the mountain? Well, we're, we're lucky to get a reasonable radio message out eventually. Well, we thought re reasonable. Again, uh, communications were very poor on the mountain. And I sent a, a radio message and I had no idea that two miles below us this huge rescue effort was underway that we couldn't see or hear. And eventually a chopper appeared out of nowhere and at 19 and a half, 20,000 feet actually airlifted two of us off the mountain uh, the first evening and took us back to base camp singly. The, the guy can't land he doesn't have winchmen and all the other gear. It's just a single llama helicopter with a static line. And you're dangling off the bottom of that as he takes you off the mountain. It's a heck of a ride. Yeah. So, so, so it actually took, uh, took some courage from, for them to come up and rescue you, I guess. Well, the, the joke was afterwards, because we did meet the helicopter pilot when we were all in hospital. And his words were, I deserve a medal off the Queen for that. 
Yeah, <laughs> I think he probably did. <laughs> so, so what was it like then? You mentioned the, the thawing out. You know, what was it like recovering from that experience, enduring frostbite, and then, you know, amputations? Well, I mean, the thawing out is excruciating. I, I can only try and give you any idea. If anybody's had chillblains before, when they've been out perhaps playing sport in the cold, and then they run in and get a warm shower or a hot shower, and it just aches unbelievably, well, times that by about 10. The other issue I had, though, more than that, because you can get over the pain initially, if you're obviously full of, you're filled up with drugs, that cures the pain. It's the fact of being told as a fit able, active person to lie in bed, which is bad enough, for three months, which is terrible, but then to actually watch your body die. Because they do not mask it, hide it, put bandages on it. It's open air, it's asked to breathe, really. And you're sort of lying in a bed with your arms up in slings, your feet stuck in front of you, and you are physically watching them die. And this went on for a number of weeks, and I had little choice but to actually physically see my toes and fingers turn black in front of my eyes. Gosh, so, <clears throat> so how long does that process take to turn black? There's no strict lines, but we're talking anything between five and eight weeks before they get to a point where you get what's called a line of demarcation. This bit of skin is dead, this bit of skin is live, that's where the surgeon is going to put the knife in. <clears throat> so you're just, uh, you're just sort of uh, hoping that it's that it's going to be um, less serious or I mean what I was trying to say is that you don't quite know where those lines are going to be I guess Ab you know? absolutely not it was and, it, and it's one of the great sort of you know things that we struggle with in this modern age we expect answers and we expect them now we expect them accurately I'm lying in a bed looking at parts of my body expecting answers you know I've been an engineer all my life we have outcomes and all the doctors would tell me or could tell me was, we don't know, Mr. Vardy. It really is. Lie down, you know, take the medicines, eat, drink well, and watch. Yeah. And that really was all we could do. And the, the, the bit in, in a book that kind of, you, you wrote that choked me up really was when you sort of described how you, you know, said bye to your fingertips and your, your toes. Yeah, I can, I can remember. I can remember it now. I mean, I can, I can actually put myself back in the bath where I was. And they were taking the fingers off my right hand first. They wanted to do that so I could actually still feed myself with my left hand. And then when my right hand recovered enough to do that, they would do my left hand. And yes, I mean, they were cold, black, shriveled. They call it mummification, actually. And it really does look like an Egyptian mummy. Yeah. But they were still me. No matter how dead they were, they were still part of me. And I had a bath. Early morning, I was determined to go into theatre clean. That's one of my things. And I sat and wished them goodbye. And within an hour, I was, you know, out of it under anaesthetic. And within a couple of hours, I was sat in the room and they'd gone. Mm. So, so at that point, so, <clears throat> and, I, and I guess you, did you, did you have four operations to, to, to do this? Well, to do I, mean, I had a number of operations. I think in the end, about ten. Because we've got to amputate first. So they did a hand under one bout of surgery, then another hand, both fronts of my feet to take my toes off and both backs to skin my heels off, one was down to the heel bone actually. So that was the second, that was the big surgery really. And then I just had months and months of minor operations with skin grafting, facial rebuilding, and lots and lots of reconstructive work on and off for the next year or two. Mm. 
<clears throat> no, no, I, I, you know, I know from the the small situations I've had where I felt ill for quite a long period of time. It's happened a couple of times in my my life. It kind of been anything like you experienced. You know, when um, how did you deal with those low periods? Because you must have felt terribly low. At one point, I was actually diagnosed into clinical depression, and I found a number of things helped me. Having family and friends close by was vital. Uh, my initial treatment was in Alaska, but I flew home after two weeks out there. My sister flew out to pick me up. We came back to the UK, um, basically because the treatment was told as good, but also I was close to my family, I was close to friends, and I was close to mon uh, mental support. So that helped massively. A good old in injection of comedy. I have friends with some very, very dark humour. And they started bringing me nail brushes, bubble bath. I mean, all the things you know you shouldn't do to somebody, but it injected laughter. And it made me giggle. And it is the best medicine in the world, I'll guarantee it to you. But then to have that support when you do walk again, you do stand, you try and climb stairs, you want to use your hands to, I don't know, do the buttons of your shirt up, pick up a pen and write. Having the support. And then just for me being very stubborn and setting myself short-term goals that said, I will just do, I'll walk three paces, I will pick a cup up, I will hold a knife and fork. Small little steps that kept chipping away at the bigger goal, which was, of course, to get back to normal life. And I was very stubborn, incredibly stubborn, and I made it work. <coughs> Sound like a very important quality during those... Uh those periods so so out of those you know the toughest ordeals you know i think you you tend to learn something that's of great value you know what what did you learn from your experience well two things really never ever 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 give up i could have said well i can walk a little bit that'll do i might have said well i'll you know i'll perhaps do a little bit of um work that will do people were saying to me you know go off on ill health and take your pension and never work again you're fine and it's not my way of doing things I never gave up and I turned my ideas into reality and one of my biggest ideas and wishes was to return to climbing and nothing was going to stop me and nothing did <clears throat> and how long was it until you went back to work just over a year yeah. and then I went back on crutches because I'd not long had some surgery on my feet and I was on light duties for about six months. Yeah, it's, re it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I bet there are, there are some people who would manage, would manage to string that, those injuries out for the rest of their life. Um, I mean, there are. And I, work. I, it's a difficult one because people do have problems in their lives and people do have problems that are difficult to diagnose. But I do now look, oh, I've got a little bit of a cold and I do think to myself, please put some effort in and stop moaning. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing. Um, <clears throat> so we've got. A, I think we're probably about to go into a commercial break in about uh, about thirty seconds. Um, but uh, that was, uh, you know, some of the most uh, incredible information I've I've heard or stories. Um, when we get back in after the commercial break, you know, let's have a look at how you then uh, started climbing again and what we can we can learn from that. So we're going to go into commercial break now. Should be away 
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leave no stone unturned, leave your fears behind, and try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take is the longest ride. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper with Nigel Vardy, and we're talking about courage and uh, boy, we've just heard some information that uh, you know really, um, you know, summarizes uh, you know great courage um, to me anyway. And um, I just want to move on now, really, to you know, to ask you, Nigel. You know, we talked. You got back to work after about a year, but you mm. know, what was it that made you get back on your your damaged feet? And you know, with with what you have uh, in terms of you know your hands and 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 fingers to be able to climb again. What, um, you know, what was that about? Well, I mean, I was determined to walk, no two ways about that. And walking was obviously, you know, a, a whole new experience without toes. So many people are told at a young age, you can't walk without your big toe. Well, that's a complete load of rubbish because I stood up slowly. It was very difficult. I had the assistance of some occupational therapists and a walking frame. And in typical occupational therapist style, I used the frame for about three steps and they took it off me and just said, you're up in the air. If you fall down, we can't pick you up because we have to do a risk assessment. So you better not fall down. It's an incentive to stand up. Trust me. (laughs) And I was told to do a few steps if that was possible. If that was good, brilliant. That's a great start. We're talking five days after my toes have been cut off. After 50 yards of going down the corridor, I was told to sit down in a wheelchair before I hurt myself because I was not stopping. I was upright. 
I jokingly said I was airborne. I was back in the vertical plane and I was not stopping for anybody. And I remember about 12 hours or so after that, I was buzzing. I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. And I pushed it on and on and on. But I got this thing of, I have got to climb again. And there's no books or anything to help you. There's no, you know, I didn't know anybody who'd been through a similar experience. And I was just, I want to learn how to tie knots with these fingers, use the equipment. I want to be normal, if that's a word you can use, because I didn't want to have everything adapted, because that's really difficult to do. So I got mobile, I got upright, and I got onto all my climbing mates and just badgered and badgered and badgered them. When are we going? And eventually, I think the consultants gave in in the end and said, just take him, he'll be fine, he won't do any damage. We're talking 16 months now after the accident. And I went and climbed some rocks locally in the Peak District and absolutely loved it. Yeah. <clears throat> and did you have to, you must have had to adapt the way that you climbed. It must have been... Absolutely. The, the way that my fingers now gripped, there was no way I could understand how that was going to work until I actually stood at the bottom of the rock face. I had no idea how my feet were going to stand on ledges and, and what we call smear on the rock in rock boots and all these sorts of things. So again, I had to physically just have a go. What I can assure you is it was absolutely excruciating and it felt like somebody filling your socks with drawing pins and walking on them. But there was no way I was going to stop. And we started on something only 20, 30 feet high and it was just, I will get to the top of that and I do not care what it costs. I am going to get to the top of that and I did. We did two or three climbs like that, and that was enough for my injuries because then I suddenly learned, and something I have to do to this day now, I have to protect my fingers. The skin grafts are quite soft on them, and they started to bleed. And, and to this day now, when I climb, I actually put climbing tape on my fingers to prevent that. My feet were another thing because without toes, you do climb a lot with your toes, so I've had to do a lot of work in footwear. But again, I was not going to stop, and I found people that would help me. And if you dig hard enough, those people exist. And and that was the start. I mean, 16 months on rock, within two years, I was ice climbing. <clears throat> how, how did you then you know, deal with the, with the views of your family? Um, you know, I, know, I know for me, when I, when I gave up a steady income to follow what I felt was a more worthy you know, dream in terms of the work that I do, it was a big change for people around me. But, but you going out and climbing again when you'd had such you know horrendous injuries you know what was it like it was and still is difficult difficult for some of them my family don't come from an adventure background at all so i'm the only one that does this kind of thing and some people were very you know okay you've had a nasty experience you shouldn't do this it's great that you've got back to a little bit of rock climbing but it shouldn't go any further and, and we're back to, you know, courage, goals. My goals were different to theirs. And other members of my family just said, go for it, Nigel. Just, just do it. We know that you are at your happiest when you're out in the mountains, you're adventuring, you're climbing, you're planning these things. Don't let anybody try and stop you, turn you down. Just do it. And that's exactly what I continue to do. And how, I know when we were reading your book and talking to you, one of the things that was, was also a challenge was actually that you, you kind of felt people saw you differently, you know, before uh, the frostbite and, and afterwards. Uh, I just wondered, you know, what you, you'd have to share about that, really. 
It depends on, of course, who the people are. The people that knew me beforehand have said, you're still the same old Nigel that we knew. Well, that's fair enough, I understand that. But others said, you know, you have got such a drive now and such a passion to do these things. And, I mean, in, in some ways it can be sort of all-encompassing. Is that is exactly all you want to do and, and, and that's what makes you live and that's what, you know, wakes you up in the morning. There are other things, of course. But when I've met people who, who knew me a little bit before and obviously have known me more since, they just say you're such a different person. You are such a different person. You have opened up so much. You have been receptive to more people. More people are receptive to you. You are prepared to talk about things because I was a very reserved child. I was a very quiet, reserved child. And all of a sudden, it was as if, bang, here comes this guy from nowhere, and he's got a lot of catching up to do. And yes. the, the nice thing is that most people have said, I've changed for the better, and it's a better me out of this. So that's good for me. I'm happy with that. Brilliant. So it has a had a silver lining in that respect. Indeed, indeed. So, so how, when so when many of us kind of struggle to you know maybe motivate ourselves to a, to put on our running shoes and get out and exercise, you know to, to do the adventures that you do, it must require quite a lot of you know planning and preparation to get fit. How do you achieve the level of physical fitness that's needed? Without, without risking damaging yourself further, really. Well, there is that because I know now that if I do too much, particularly the skin grafts on my feet suffer tremendously. And, and I know when I've been on a major expedition, when I come home, the first thing I have to do is sit down and put my feet up for a bit. And if I go on a big day, uh, people see me on the big day doing things. What they don't see is when I come home at night and sit with a foot spa with my feet bubbling away in the water because they ache. I have to do that to keep my graphs in good condition. But to keep fit, I'm not a person for gyms. I certainly can't run without toes particularly well. So what I tend to do is climb. I tend to cycle. I tend to be active at home. I mean, I thoroughly love gardening, and I find that a great exercise. I like going walking, hill walking, scrambling in the local areas or further afield. Um, and just by continuously doing it and not taking, you know, I'm not going to do nothing for a week. That doesn't happen in my life. Continuously doing things, chipping away, keeping busy, keeping active, good diet, works wonders for me. Brilliant. It's, it shows to people, you know, with these sorts of challenges. I guess a lot of people, you know, coming from overseas, you know, conflicts in Afghanistan and things like that, who are having to go through re rehabilitation. Um, it's, you know, it's amazing what you can can do it's amazing what some of them are doing too um <clears throat> so what um what therefore um, are the steps you would recommend to someone who's contemplating doing something that requires them to you know increase their courage i think what the biggest thing of course is finding out what that thing is once you've established that do not shy away from it do not put it off do not sort of think well you know i might do and i might not be positive positively look at what the benefits are that you are going to get by going through whatever this thing is. Positively look on how you can achieve and how you can come out the other side of it better. Because people say to me, you know, having frostbite knowledge, you must have stopped so much of your life. It, I always say it closed a few doors, but it opened so many more. Yeah. So look at that and look at it straight away. Don't do it next week, next month, next year. You know, if, if you decide next year I would like to go and climb a mountain, I would like to cycle across the country, I would like to, whatever it is, start planning now. Start getting fit mentally and physically, not just physically, now.
so that when you hit whatever it is, you are at the best physical and mental performance you can be and go for it. Right, right. So, so I guess also may, maybe there's some contemplation about, in some instances, what benefit it could bring to others. Could that help you overcome Absolutely. the Absolutely. It's one of the biggest reasons we do these things sometimes is we get to be the experience. You know, we get to go wherever we go and, and in my experience, climb whatever we climb. One of the greatest things for me is to bring those experiences back and try and share them with other people. And that's why I speak a lot in education and business because I'm trying to enthuse other people. There is something out there that will be for you. There is something out there that can change your life if you choose to take on that challenge. The thing you've got to do is get out your own way, and if you've got an idea, turn it into reality and go and do it. Yeah, I like that. I've got about a minute left before we go to commercial break, but just explain the idea of getting out of your own way I think that's an interesting It's so concept. easy to talk yourself out of things. It's so easy to say, you know, sat on your sofa in the warm one evening, I'd love to go and do that, but. Well, take the but out the sentence. I would love to go and do that. Go and do it. Don't talk about it. Go and do it. Talking's fine. Actions will prove who you are. Whatever those actions may be. Get out your own way. Stop trying to talk yourself out of it and do it. Fantastic. Well, that's a wonderful way to move into the final commercial break. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. No stone unturned, leave your fears behind And try to take the path less traveled by That's 
first step you take is the longest ride. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is uh, Chris Cooper and uh, Nigel Vardy, and we're uh, talking about uh, courage and venturing beyond your safety zone. So, Nigel, what I want to ask you now is, you know, what is your experience of managing risk and how is this helpful uh, in the business world? I think it's firstly assessing the risk correctly. We, we do live in a society where we're absolutely paranoid, in my view, about risk. Now, of course, there are dangerous things in this world that we shouldn't do, but there are times when we do need to just push our head over that parapet a little bit and take an objective view. To do something today might be dangerous. To do it tomorrow, it might not. And similarly, the other way around, that could be due to financial situations, that could be due to the markets, and that could be, and my experience and background is electrical engineering, that could be the way we work with something um, that, that we need to work on. It might be fine in certain weather conditions and not in others. So we, in my view, we have to balance it a bit more. I, I just find so many people will not touch anything or do anything because they are scared of getting their fingers burned. But if nobody ever takes risks, we never get anywhere. And we just stay again, carrying at the bottom of that trench, and we accomplish very little. I've heard it said that uh, sometimes we have to almost set ourselves up for, you know, a, a high risk of a failure to actually pull the best out of ourselves. And it's only In, by... Indeed. I mean, one of the greatest things is learning from your mistakes. You, apparently, you learn about 10 times faster, I'm told, by making mistakes. And you'll not find any great entrepreneur on this planet that says... Everything just went swimmingly well and suddenly I earned millions. For every success you see and hear of, there's probably eight or ten things that went completely wrong. But they learned from them, learned those lessons and applied them to the next challenge, whatever it may be. And so we get that learning, we get faster and better at what we do and then we get more successful. That's really interesting and I think... Um I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and what we were saying is that, you know, for, as for entrepreneurs and the, the people that we know, uh, and our experience has been that, you know, we've had times where we've almost been on our knees, uh, and it's only yeah. by going through those you're able to, you know, handle that situation again, but on a bigger scale in the future potentially. Well, uh, there's, the, there's the age-old phrase that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> Yeah, crikey. So, so, so how then, you know, from your experience of uh, working in extreme conditions, uh, you know, what's your, you know, what are the lessons that the business world can learn from uh, you know, the extreme conditions that you were in? What we have to do is sometimes, because we're going to be in extreme conditions, I may be on the top of a mountain, people may be in an office and stressed with a time restraint or something else. <coughs> We have to sometimes shut the conditions out if we can mentally and get on with the job at hand knowing that if we work well, work effectively, the conditions disappear because if there's a time restraint, you have got to have this done by 4pm today, running around screaming and throwing your arms in the air is not going to mend it. But by getting on with it and, and applying yourself to the task and focusing, you'll do it, you'll do it well 
and you'll come out the other end of it at five past four or whatever it is going, that was just so well done. Because sometimes people do work better under pressure. In, in my world, you know, when we're working in tough conditions, it's snowing, the wind's howling. Some people just come out of their shell and become tremendous leaders. And these are the guys we look for because we know when the chips are down, they're the people that will stand up, take responsibility and deal with it. And people need to watch for these people because they are the naturals that will come out. And are those the people who you know, are able to keep a, a level head in those situations and keep calm? Usually, yes. And, and I've met a number of them in my life. And, and there's nothing about older or younger. I've met guys of 17 who have just been so wonderful in really life-threatening situations. And it's, you know, you're acting like you've got 30 years experience and you've got six months. And I've seen people, obviously, much older act with it as well. And they're the kinds of people that we look for, particularly on a mountaineering or any kind of adventure trip. We can't have people that lose their head because that can be dangerous and that can cost lives in my world. So therefore, maybe when we're recruiting people, should we be looking for that sort of, uh, you know, individual in certain roles? You can, you can perhaps, perhaps we could do that. It depends, of course, how you want to put them through that test. Most people go for a job <laughs> interview. We don't expect to sort of dangle them out the window and say, how do you deal with this? But I've, I've known of, of expedition and, and one or two other things in the world where they've put people through mental stress, not in a nasty way, but they're trying to see how they react. They might put them through physical stress to see how they react. And I, and I can always remember many years ago, an expedition um, adventure in Britain said, before we take anybody, we make them cold, we make them hungry, and then we test them, and then we see how they react. And only when they react well in those situations can I trust to take them on an expedition. Now, I'm not expecting you to do that to your staff, but it, you know we have to sometimes see how people risk in testing difficult times. And I guess you could you could ask certain questions to help mm. understand whether people yeah. get flustered under pressure, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and because pressure does exist, you know, th this is the way the world is these days. People will be pressured by time, by financial constraints, by family, by adventures, but whatever. It's how we come out the other side that's important. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, what messages do you want to share with the world about courage and, and, and getting out of your safety zone? I think you need to at some point step out from that safety zone and, and start with something simple. You know, I don't expect you to suddenly fly off the top of a 3,000 foot cliff, but find something that just is a little bit, just pushes you a little bit, puts a tingle down your spine and, and have a go. What's the worst that can happen? You know, if, if you suddenly find that, you know, you're scared of spiders. I've known of people that go to somewhere where they can actually have these things put on them and they face their fear. After that, it becomes a little bit easier. Not everybody can do it, but it sometimes works for people. And, and just keep going. Do not sit down and sort of cower in the corner and cry about it, because nobody likes listening to people that moan. People like to listen to people and work with people that face challenges. So go and find them. And there's probably plenty in your life already. Do not hide from them. Go and face them, and go and face them now. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Amazing. So where... where can, can people find out you know, a bit more information about you, maybe, you know, or access your book? Where would they no, go? Just, just type Nigel Vardy into Google, um, and there's plenty of uh, bits in there. I've got websites. There's all kinds of articles written about me, stuff on YouTube, and the books on Amazon. So, again, just type Nigel Vardy into Google, and everything's there.
Excellent. Is, is the uh, Discovery film available? There are clips of it, I believe, on the internet, but I don't know if it's actually available as a film from Discovery itself. No. no. Well, maybe after this uh, interview, we can help it become so. Because <laughs> it's a Good for fascinating me. story. Fascinating story. Well, I'd just like to say a you know a huge thank you to you, Nigel, for sharing your time with us today. It's been pleasure. an absolute absolute pleasure to ha have you on the call. You know, your story is just so. It's it, it's so courageous. It embodies uh, courageousness. Um, I don't think we, you know, we all are of the makeup that we want to put our, our lives at risk, you know, to follow our our hobbies. But I I would say sort of one thing, you know, for people who are thinking about doing something which requires uh, raising their their game and getting out of their comfort zone, you know, if you are um, worried about something, a bit anxious about doing a talk or something, just think about Nigel. <laughs> That's what I've started doing in the last uh, last few weeks since I first started talking to Nigel. And uh, maybe that might make it easier for you to take action. So I'd just like to again say thank you. Um, on the next show, we're going to have um, Kathy Tracy will be joining us. We're going to be talking about teams. So it leads on beautifully from uh, this call. Um, Kathy is a, um, a world record holding transatlantic rower and, uh, and also an organizational development uh, person. So thank you very much. Um, thank you for listening to BeMoreAchievemore.com. And any questions, any thoughts, send the information through to info at BeMoreAchievemore.com. And we'd love to have your feedback. Thank you very much. And speak to you again next week. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.